Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome to the Veterans Perspective. I'm Zanetta Adams, the Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, and today we are having a show about the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Such a horrific event that happened, but today we're talking to Uh, soldiers and airmen about their experience and their journey uh, at during 9-11 and after and so today we're going to be speaking with Jason Rogers senior airman Tom Smolars master sergeant Stephanie Branham and lieutenant colonel David Brewer Uh, you know as we as we uh, talk about the memorial and the different things that happened during 9-11 I just want to remind you all that if you need to talk to someone you can always call 1-800- 273-8255 and press 1. Uh, but otherwise, we will be right back uh, talking about 9-11 and the 20th anniversary on the Veterans Perspective. Fire in uh, one of the World Trade Center towers in uh, New York City. We don't know the cause of this fire or exactly uh, where it's coming from, but it appears there has been an explosion. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Today we're talking about the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and our first guest today is Jason Rogers. Jason is a 23-year Army veteran who retired in 2020. He served in several capacities over more than two decades. His enlisted service includes time in field artillery, finance, and administration. While enlisted, he served in Operation Iraqi Freedom. His unit was attached to the Military Police Battalion in Baghdad, Iraq. After commissioning, he served in several roles, resource resource specialist, fire direction officer, executive officer, budget officer, company commander, and finished his career as a brigade administrative officer. Jason's transition to a civilian career has landed him right here at the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, where he continues to serve those who serve this country. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you. Good morning. You know, during the the, the earlier uh, part of this show, I talked a little bit about um, my memories of 9-11 and where I was and, you know, how I was, you know, uh, working at the time, getting off of a shift and and turned on the television to watch the second trade tower get hit. And I just remember the memories and and, and the emotions that kind of were there. I mean, I think there was some shock, there was some uh, awe, there was some uh, confusion and... uh, and then I think even turn to some type of purpose as to how we had to protect our own. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about where you were and, 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 and how that day impacted you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, very similar to you. I can, I can remember everything about that morning, like, like most of us. And I was actually at the Detroit Olympia Armory with my National Guard unit. We had already been working for an hour and a half or so that day. And I remember hearing a commotion in the hallway and and I walked out there and one of the recruiters who had listened to her radio said that a a plane had flown into the World Trade Center and no one really knew what what that meant at that time. We didn't have smartphones, we didn't have TVs in our offices, so we weren't watching it. And we went and we got the television like on a rolling cart that we used to use for training videos. And by the time we got it on and we started watching, we also saw that second plane hit the World Trade Center. So at that time, um, there were a group of us soldiers gathered in a room. And I think we just realized like something was different with this. This wasn't an accident. 
there was somebody actually attacking the country and just kind of a, a solemn feeling came over all of us. And it was nice to be surrounded by fellow soldiers at that time. But that was the initial thought, like everything that had happened, um, hoping it had been an accident, but then seeing that it was likely an act of war by the time we saw that second plane hit the World Trade Center. And, and Jason, how long had you been serving when this happened? Yeah. Great question. I, I had been in for four years. So I joined in 1997. It was after Desert Storm. It would really be considered a peacetime military at that point. We we hadn't been actively engaged in a war. So I was four years into my 23 years of service at that point. So, you know, as a result of 9-11, we all know so much changed. I mean, uh, for those, you know, my daughter was uh, just one, you know, when uh, the trade... Uh, the Trade Center was attacked, uh, and we were attacked as a nation. And so she grew up in an era with um, the, the different changes to how we navigate the airport and, and you know, the, the, the blockades in front of, you know, uh, federal buildings and some of those other things. But, you know, we didn't. You know, so, um, you know, how, did those, how have those changes impacted you? Or, you know, uh, how has that made you feel that? Do you, do you feel we're safer? Do you feel like... What do you feel? Yeah, um, even on on that note, the, the very next day, we had sent soldiers from our own National Guard unit in Detroit to guard the border, um, also to Detroit Metro Airport. And I know that that had happened at a lot of the airports in Michigan. And then we also had armed soldiers at all of our armories, because at that point, we still didn't know what this was going to be like and what else was to come. And yeah, I remember before that driving straight on the military bases and um, not having the big uh, like T barriers and stuff in front of our buildings. So yeah, I certainly think there's a, a different safety posture. And, and I think that we're, we're more aware. Sometimes it takes something very devastating like that to realize how vulnerable or how trusting one can be. And as a nation, maybe that's, that's where we were, but I think that we're safer now. We've we've certainly learned from from that, and going forward, I wouldn't see too much difference. But yeah, like an airport, I I can remember taking different things onto an airplane, and now it's it's pretty hard just to get through security to get onto an airplane. So big big changes. Definitely, and and you make a an excellent point about you know you know when we know better, right? We do better, and we we're more much more aware. Of, of what could potentially be out there. Um, and so, you know, just in reading your bio, uh, you served in Iraq and, um, you know, and you came back home. So, you know, welcome home. I I will say there's a lot going on right now in the community with, uh, you know, our withdrawal from Afghanistan. And there's a lot of emotions and feelings from that. Um, how has that impact you, ha- impacted you at all? It, it impacts me. I, I think as people see veterans, they want to ask us those questions as if we're the subject matter experts or just to try to get the feeling of what do you think about everything that you see? And I know what I don't do is is take a narrative from the news and run with that. Um, the way I personally feel, I think that Afghanistan has not been a place to for terrorists to be harbored in the last 20 years. We haven't been attacked as a nation. So anybody who served in Afghanistan I think they should hold their head high knowing that we have quelled any other uprisings that could have been there that would have attacked the United States. So like obviously Al-Qaeda was responsible for the attacks on 9-11 and um, it kind of goes into when I was in Iraq even in 2005, 
So four years after the 9-11 attacks, like one of the terror groups we were fighting was called Al-Qaeda in Iraq. So the fact that we were able to take the fight to the enemy abroad and, and continue to protect the nation at home, I think everyone should be pretty proud of their service. And regardless of how they think things have ended, knowing that we've made the citizens of the United States safer at home, that, that's a good feeling. Well, and you know, you, you raise an excellent point. You know, I just remember when I was serving, I, you know, I didn't go into it thinking that, you know, uh, the end, you know, what the necessarily what the end was, I was looking at where we were right now and how I could be of service at that point. And so, you know, I, I love that you, you, you spread the message that we should be proud of our service and, and what we've done to protect our nation and those abroad. So, you know, I just, you know, just wanted to touch on before um, we wrap up that this is also Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And you worked very closely initially um, with me on the Governor's Suicide Prevention Challenge. And, um, you know, with everything that's going on, we're at the anniversary of 9-11. We are dealing with what's going on in Afghanistan. You know, can you talk a little bit about the importance of veterans and even National Guard members being connected to care? Yes, um, connected to care and connected to a peer, someone who you can you can hold accountable and someone that can hold you accountable because we really can't can't fight these these battles alone. There's there's a lot of things that that happened. The entire country changed after 9-11. Um, there might be even more changes that happened to people who who've deployed and had to see some of the horrors of war. So I think understanding that that recognizing that and knowing that it doesn't make you weaker, but it really helps build you as a person and you can pour into others because of your experiences. So the the connection to care is absolutely paramount. You've got to have someone you can rely on. There's got to be people who can rely on you and never be afraid to ask for help. Like the saying is it's okay not to be okay. And and that just couldn't be more true because everyone's got to have someone they can talk to. And if it's got to be a battle buddy, if it's got to be a professional counselor the crisis line like someone's out there for you and no one should be fighting through this alone i hear you jason and you know you served 24 years in the military and i would just and and now you're still serving you're serving at the michigan veterans affairs agency and serving veterans i would just say in a few words what does serving veterans mean to you i i can't say enough like to serve those who serve it it means the world to me and as a veteran, knowing that I understand what some of those struggles are, it makes the work that we do at the agency just mean that much more because there's so many people out there that might not be as connected as we are that need to know what assistance is out there. So I just want to continue to serve those who served us. Well, Jason, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, when thank we come back, <laughs> when we come back, we'll be speaking with a guest from the 110th Wing from the Battle Creek Air National Guard base on this 20th anniversary of 9-11. Stay tuned, we'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Anetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. And uh, this is a pivotal moment, really. We are at the 20th anniversary 
of 9-11. Now, this is our second 9-11 show that we've had on the Veterans Perspective here. And, you know, it's it really is a solemn day, but a, a day to feel pride as well. Um, and not only the losses that we had, but the heroes that emerged uh, from from the ashes, from the rubble, from all over the world to assist in this uh, gruesome time. And so, you know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, just, and we're going to be talking with other veterans today that were there on the ground and, you know, folks who um, were part of 9-11. But before we get into that, I wanted to introduce um, Deputy Director Robert Neer of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, who's joining me, who served um, uh, after 9-11 in, in the military and just kind of so we can have some conversation about what that is and what that looks like. So welcome to the show, Robert. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so, you know, I, you know, I remember last year I talked about some of the memories and, and, and remembering where I was. I remember I, I was working for the police department and I had just gotten off of third shift. Uh, I was a dispatcher at the time. And uh, I thought my dad was pulling a prank as he was calling me saying, did you get called up for the military? And he told me to turn on the TV. We had one had already hit. And then, you know, as I'm watching the TV, I see the other um, plane fly into the towers. And so, uh, you know, where were you? What were you doing at that time when that occurred? Yeah, I was in I was actually in high school. I remember pretty vividly, as I'm sure everybody else does. Um, we heard, We had the news that one tower had been hit and uh that everything stopped and uh it was really strange um, to have all things in a high school stop moving and focus on the television um and so every room was tuned in and looking at the television and we watched the second plane hit yeah you know i remember being in disbelief and then as we learned about what was happening in pennsylvania and then you know all of the i would say the conspiracy theories really that emerged at that day but really, as you saw the heroes and the folks that were going in to try to save those individuals at the World Trade Centers, um, you know, what was your thought? Do you remember what you were thinking, what was going through your head at that time? You know, on the initial reports, uh, it, there was no real concise, this is what's going on. Um, I just remember being in fear, uh, being a high schooler, you know, the everything is pretty, pretty grand and uh so you, you don't really think about what's really going on here. Why are these people attacking us and why are they killing our, our fellow citizens? So it was a lot of, like you said, disbelief and um, fear, I guess, was the, what we were feeling. Yeah. And, and, you know, we were essentially at that moment at war. And so, you know, and I think many of us knew it at that moment. We knew that something was happening. And so you said you were in high school and you still decided to join the military after that. Like, what, you know, why did you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as reports came out, I was pretty early in high school. So I wasn't, uh, I was only a freshman when that happened. So uh, later on, I had a you know, few years to really think about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to serve my country. And that was a pivotal moment um, and pushing me towards that romantic belief in service to country and service to others. So that, that was very pivotal in my life. Yeah. Well, definitely thank you for your service to the U.S. Army. And, and you know, uh, war and um, injury and, you know, a high level of anxiety can bring 
information. It can bring on all sorts of, you know, it can bring on TSD, all of these different things. And, you know, we are in Suicide Prevention Month, you know, uh, the month of September. And we've been doing a lot of great things around Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. But all year, especially with this Governor's Suicide Prevention Challenge, um, I, I just wanted to talk about what, you know, what, what great things are you seeing that we're doing at the agency um, that uh, veterans should know about? Oh, there's a plethora. I would say the biggest thing is uh, the marketing on pushing out what resources are out there to support each individual person where they're at rather than uh, waiting until they're in a bad spot. Um, very proactive and pushing out what the veterans crisis line is, what um, SAMHSA's helpline is, and uh, continuing to push out the messaging to show people don't wait until it's too late. Um, get the help before you need it. So it's just been a really impactful marketing campaign that's supported a lot of individuals in my eyes. Um, and I've had some personal friends who have taken advantage of some of those hotlines because of our marketing efforts. So appreciative. Well, I will say that, you know, when I was struggling with PTSD and anxiety and all of those things post-injury uh, during Operation Iraqi Freedom, I I will say that I wish I had this type of resource at my fingertips and you know, I'm just so grateful as we're talking about Suicide Prevention Month that I didn't go through with the decision that I had in my mind um, uh, so many years back to 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 end my own life. And I'm so grateful to my to my my children. I would say, you know, as we we're looking just to wrap um, up this segment, what would you say to veterans out there um, that maybe are trying to find a way or trying to look for some help? Yeah, there's. I would be remiss to not mention the different call lines in this, um, and I'm sorry if it takes up a little too much time, but the Veterans Crisis Line, 1-800-273-8255, press one, and then also additionally the War Vet Call Center, which has been really impactful as well, inside of the VA, 1-877-WAR-VETS, that's 1-877-927-8387. Um, highly recommend utilizing those two lines if you have the opportunity and you're in that situation. It's been impactful and helpful in my life um, to colleagues around me uh, who have been in that situation. So, yeah, thank you, ma'am. Well, thank you so much, Robert, for joining us today. Thank you. Bye. Well, and we'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. the Veterans Perspective. Joining me are my next guest. Um, we are joined today by Senior Airman Tom Smolars, Master Sergeant Stephanie Branham, and Lieutenant Colonel David Brew Brewer. Just to give you a little bit of a synopsis about them, uh, Senior Airman Thomas Tom Smolars was raised in Colon was with, and graduated from Colon High School in 2011. He went on to pursue a degree in international political science with a focus on counterterrorism from Ohio Northern University and graduated in 2016. We forgive him for going to Ohio. <laughs> he enlisted in 2017 to continue the goal of countering global terrorism and extremism and has been with the 110th ever since. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks for having me. 
And um, our next guest is going to be Master Sergeant Stephanie Branham. She is the Base Education and Training Senior Non-Commissioned Officer. She joined the Air National Guard in 2006. She develops, delivers, and evaluates education and training programs for the wing. She is an exam proctor for the Air Force Officer Qualification Test, the Armed Services uh, Vocational Aptitude Battery, Language Testing and Electronic Data Processing Test, or for those of you out there, the ASVAB. She also advises airmen on the professional and civilian education to meet college, community college of the Air Force requirements. During her 15 years at Battle Creek Air National Guard Base, she has provided combat mission planning and intelligence support for A-10 air crews and has also provided administrative and knowledge operations support to communications flights, as well as for the other units and members of the 110th Wing. She regularly stays involved with her community by volunteering with the American Legion Post 257 and the Chamber of Commerce in Marshall, Michigan. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you, ma'am. And finally, uh, last but not least, Lieutenant Colonel David Brew Brewer is a 110th Operations Officer and Wing Innovation Officer. Some of his highlights include, he's an F-16 Falcon Crew Chief of the 180th Fighter Wing, Ohio Air National Guard, <laughs> U.S. Air Force Pilot. He's also an Integrated Fusions Operations Officer. Um, MQ-9 remotely uh, piloted air crew, aircraft crew member, wing inspector general, Pentagon staff tour, including headquarters, um, Air Force operations, National Guard Bureau space operations, and wing innovation officer as well, um, which includes designing a potential future space mission for the Michigan Air National Guard. Brew and his wife Tracy have been married for 21 years. They have three daughters. His oldest was born just after the 9-11 events. His middle was born during his pilot assignment and his youngest was born while he was deployed to Iraq. Welcome to the show, Brew. Thank you, Dr. Evans. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. You all definitely gave me a mouthful of all of the accomplishments and things that you've, you've done. So I, I, first of all, I wanna thank you for your service and your continued service at this point. Um, today we're talking about 9-11 um, on the 20th anniversary. Um, and the impacts that have come from that. And I know that um, some of you were serving during that time or served during that time while others joined afterwards. And so I, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that. So I wanted to start with you, Brew. Y you talked about uh, your three daughters and how your oldest was born just after the 9-11 events. And I think that's interesting because my, my oldest was born in 2000, right before. And so she was... Um, she was just turned one when this happened. So I just remembered that feeling. Can you tell us what you were doing or what you what, what was happening during that time? Yeah, absolutely, ma'am. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, my, my wife, Tracy, was pregnant at the time um, with my what is now oldest daughter. And uh, I was preparing to go to college when uh, I was watching the news, getting prepared to go to class uh, when I saw the first aircraft hit the first tower. Um, being a crew chief on the F-16 uh, as an enlisted aircraft maintainer, I certainly knew that that wasn't typical, especially in a populated area like New York. As I continued to watch, uh, I saw the second aircraft hit and immediately knew that this was not a standard event that could take place. Uh, I, I called uh, the 180th Fighter Wing, uh, got a hold of my supervisor, and requested to immediately come onto the base and begin working um, to respond to the situation. 
they had actually locked down the base, was prevented from going into work, which was unfortunate. Uh, so it was hard to be a bystander like so many of us were as we saw these events unfold. Yeah, that's, you know, it, I wasn't um, in the National Guard at the time. I was actually in the reserves when that happened. And so I just, I, I was speaking earlier on the show that I, I definitely remember I was working um, for a police department at, at the time. I was a 9-11 dispatcher, 9-11, 9 <laughs> dispatcher. And, uh, and I just gotten off of my third shift and um, it was probably about eight in the morning. I remember my dad calling me like, hey, turn on the TV and, you know, I'm turning, I'm just like, why are you asking me to turn the TV on? I turn the TV on and, you know, you see the first one hit and everybody's watching and then you see the second one hit. And I, I remember the same sentiment as you. And he asked me, he's like, are they going to call you up? And so I, I just remember there was this fear and uncertainty. There was just a lot of emotion. So I, I can definitely understand what you were going through at that time. And and so, I you know, I think about, you know, Stephanie, for instance, and, you know, Stephanie, you know, 9-11 happened in 2001 as we're celebrating this, uh, not celebrating, but, you know, m m remembering this 20th anniversary. And, uh, but you joined in 2006. So we were in the thick of it. We were, we had, you know, this happened, it really set the course for us to, to start this war. And you still joined. What made you do that? So actually in 2001, I was pregnant. I was eight months pregnant. And I remember at the time, those same kind of feelings of um, worry. I was scared. Um, the uncertainty was, it was really unreal. And it settled on me that I felt helpless, especially being eight months pregnant. If this was going to form into something, you know, more severe, was this um, going to be an all-out war at on U.S. soil? Like, how could I... Um, you know, defend myself and things like that. And so at that time, I decided that I'm going to do everything that I can to gear myself uh, to prevent myself from being helpless in the future. And so I was very studious, worked on my fitness. And as soon as I could, I joined the military. And um, that's where that's really where we're at, regardless of if it was in the thick, if it had gotten worse, or even at that time, it may have been slowing down a little bit. I wanted to be prepared to support our country. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. I mean, I, you know, I hear those types of stories all the time about people who are inspired and empowered to, to want to serve after this happened, because I mean, this was an attack on our soil for sure. And, you know, and, and so then we fast forward and we're here in 2017 um, we're still, you know, under the guise of, you know, the Gulf War and the things that are going on. And, 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 and Tom, you decided to join. And what yeah. was your motivation? So first, but tell us where you were on 9-11. 9-11, I was in Miss Cooper's class, third grade. <laughs> five years, uh, five days away from turning nine years old. Uh, but I remember the big thing about that was Miss Cooper came in and telling us, hey, you know, your parents are going to come get you or the buses are going to take you home. We're all going home. Nobody be scared. Nothing bad's going to happen to us, but some bad men did some bad things. And I remember instantly kind of thinking, I was like, well, what do you mean my dad's going to pick me up? My dad hasn't missed a day of work in my entire life. My dad left his dental practice downtown Poland, which is one stoplight. You usually run into a horse and buggy when you're going through my town at one point or another. And there was cars lined up across the entire, the entire town trying to get gas. Mm -hmm. And I remember being real scared. I remember my dad being nervous. And that was something that just stuck with me and rolled through into college. And I started working uh, on my senior thesis. And I just got more and more thrown into what it felt like 
um, to really see what 9-11 really meant. It was, it was a much bigger picture, much bigger thing of, uh, of hatred out there and extremism. And I just really wanted to launch myself into just being able to do anything. So that's why I enlisted. Well, I mean, that's a compelling story. You know, we usually don't hear from, I, I would say, out of the mouth of babes, right? right. Where, where people were that young and the impact that it had on them. And so, you know, when we return from this commercial break, we're going to talk a little bit more with you, Tom, and the rest of you about, you know, uh, what, what it looks like afterwards. And then also maybe get into some of the impacts that it made on our mental health, right? Um, so just stick around with us. We'll be right back on the veteran's perspective. America today is on bended knee in prayer for the people whose lives were lost here, for the workers who work here, for the families who work. We saw clearly that a plane uh, deliberately crashed into the, one of the upper floors of the World Trade Center. That was the second plane. So two planes. Uh, crashed into the uh, upper floors of each of the World Trade Center towers. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now back to your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, the director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. And we're sitting here with uh, actively serving military members, uh, Stephanie Branham, Tom Smolars, and David Brewer. And we've been talking about um, where we were on 9-11 and, and some of the impacts from that. And we, we were just hearing from Tom. And so, Tom, you talked about you were in third grade, you know, what it looked like in this small town as, as really panic was setting in amongst the residents there. And so, you know, fast forward 2017, you've joined the military. Did, did you think about what happened on 9-11 and you're making your decision to join the military? Of course. Uh... I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but I mean, everything just kind of fueled my uh, just scholastic and professional life is all focused. It all blossomed from 9-11. Um, just that kind of feeling of like, you know, your home team lost one, the undefeated home team kind of lost one. And just having that sense of unity with everybody around you uh, and just thinking, just moving forward the entire time. And I, I actually wanted to go to West Point, but I didn't have the ACT scores. And so I just pushed on through that. And then after college, after having the background that I did, uh, former General Wilson, who's also from Colin, Michigan, uh, who was the wing king there for a little while at the 110, he said, you know what you should do? Just go in and talk to, you know, he's like, you're passionate. You want to, you want to get back into it? Uh, you know, go talk to somebody at the, at the 110. And I did. And I, and it was just like, I felt like a kid on Christmas every time I stepped on base waiting to enlist. You know, that was everything that I want. That's everything I wanted to do. Finally be able to get back. Uh, and give back. So that, of course, it 100% had something to do with the 9-11 was the big focus is why I moved forward on 2017. Well, you know, you know, we're talking about 9-11, we're talking about the impacts of where we were then, and, and kind of how it how it impacted us now. But, you know, Brew, I wanted to talk to you a second about some of those other impacts, because you served in Iraq. Um, and there's a lot going on right now. We've just pulled all the way out of Afghanistan. Um, you know, I'm hearing from people all over. Myself, I felt some, 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 
some emotions about um, was was what I did worth it? Was it in vain? And so I, you know, many veterans are frustrated with these events. I, I know people serving are frustrated, and I think about um, the fact that it's okay to be frustrated, but it's not okay to keep it to yourself. Can Can you talk about um, maybe what you're hearing, or you know, how how I guess what would you say to people who may be struggling there? Yeah, absolutely, and that's a great question. Um, what I would say was, as our country was struck on 9-11, with, with such a devious act of evil, um, really what it turned into, as we've seen 20 years later, is it was attacked on, on the, the global humanity of all of us. And so we see our allies, um, our partner nations, um, standing up and fighting alongside with us. So, of course, there's frustrations. Um, despair sets in. You question your service, but yet I'm sure most of, if not all of the vets listening to this um, won't ultimately question their service because it's honorable what we're doing. We are fighting for America, for the freedoms that we have, and we want the betterment for the humanity across the, the globe. And so we fight in austere locations, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, amongst others. And we've done that for what has been over a century. So as a result, what we're really seeing is that uh, the global war on terror um, certainly embodied that title. Um, Europe has stood with us, uh, nationals within the countries of Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria have fought alongside of us. And there are many questions to be had as we pull out of Afghanistan, just as we did with Iraq. And uh, history will write itself. Um, but uh, I can tell you that every person that's put on a uniform um, should be proud of their service, the impact that they have not only on the defense of our nation, but of the stability of peace across the world. Really good fighting evil. Um, so it, it transcends really the United States in the modern military era, only to be uh, back and back to World War II when something similar took place. Yeah, Brew, I think that's so important. And it's one of those things that I've been you know, saying to, 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 to folks who are, who will hear me is that, you know, you know, to that, to that American or those, those folks here back at home who felt peace, who felt safe because they were over fighting or they were here supporting that, that your service did matter. It wasn't in vain for those folks and those lives that were saved and the, the, the new measures that were put in place and were able to be sustained, that matters as well. So I, I, I completely agree. We, we, there, there, there is a tendency sometimes to look back and regret, but at the end of the day, you know, if we made an impact on one person, then we've, 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 we've served a purpose. And so I appreciate that sentiment. You know, we, we are in Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And, you know, with everything that's going on with Afghanistan, with the 9-11 20th anniversary, you know, I have to get on a plane on 9-11 and it's an American Airlines plane with everything that's, you know, I'm just, I'm like, wow, this is, you know, did I book this flight? You know, <laughs> and, you know, I think about all those things, there's anxiety, but, you know, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's uh, resurgence of PTSD emotions. And so I would love to hear from you, uh, Stephanie, just uh, really quickly, like, what would you say to maybe some actively serv serving uh, members, maybe the National Guard or even veterans? if they're struggling with this right now, like how can they reach out? Because sometimes people are hesitant, especially if they're still in uniform, to say that they're struggling. 
So I would say that the resources are definitely there. And I've personally witnessed this. Our base is really great about publicizing and making available the mental health support that we we need or that we may think that we don't need. They're always there. And I know that that's the case uh, across the board. And now more than ever, of course, we need the support of previous veterans and our country, but more so from our wingmen. And so it's important to, if you're not only reaching out to those health service personnel for either suicide prevention or counseling, it's being a good friend and it's being a good wingman and picking up on those, those subtle things that you can really help out and offer a lending hand when it's needed and ask those tough questions. If somebody is thinking about hurting themselves, they need us to be an advocate for them and get them to somebody that can further help them along um, because all in all, we, we do need every single service member um, to win this fight. I love that. We need every single service member to win this fight. That means we need you, even if you're struggling. And and I would say that to veterans as well. Like we need you to continue to to stand up and fight for you know advocate advocate for other veterans as well. And 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 to be here. We and we just need you because because we care. And so you know, Tom, I wanted to ask you a similar question. You know, we have veterans out there. I mean, you joined in 2017. I know you know, no, not veterans, but you know, active service members or people that are serving right now who, who, who may be struggling, or maybe you see somebody who's struggling. Like, what do you say to that person who sees someone who's struggling? How can they engage? I, you know, I think uh, Sergeant Brandon touched on it real well too. You know, the big thing that I really focused on it's you know this whole it's a collusive team thing, one team, one fight. You know, just because I might not be experiencing that fight doesn't mean that I'm not on your team to have that fight with you. So if you see somebody struggling, it's, 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 as, it can be a subtle, you know, you got to read the book, but it can be as subtle as just be like striking up a random conversation or being right out blunt and ask them, Hey man, like what's going on? Do we got to go out, you know, get some food, talk about it. You know, do we actually have to have a sit down conversation? Hey, have you talked to Gene Wicks? I'm in the family readiness center. Hey, have you done this? Like you got to be there for him wherever that you can be, but just all about looking out for your teammates, just having that situational awareness, know what's going on. You just got to be able to reach out to them. And that's great advice. And I do want to say for anybody out there listening, whether you're actively serving in the Reserve, National Guard, or you're a veteran, we have a buddy-to-buddy mentor program where if you want to reach out in a safe space and you don't think that maybe you want to reach out to people that know you and your unit, you can reach out to our agency at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. And if you're struggling and you're feeling hopeless, I've called this hotline myself, mind you. You can call the Veterans Crisis Line, and that's for anybody listening. 1-800-273-8255, press 1, or text 838-255 to get connected to care. I will say that spouses can reach out on behalf of their veteran as well. So keep that in mind. I want to thank our guests for joining us today. Stephanie Branham, thank you so much. Tom Smolars and David Brew Brewer, thank you so much for joining us today and having this conversation. And so we will see you next week on The Veterans Perspective.